Welcome, everyone. It's good to have you all today. Welcome to Warehouse Church. Um, about two and a half years ago, I was uh, in the spring of 2019, I went to a conference uh, down in Atlanta, Georgia with a few other folks. And um, I was in a conference by myself while the other kids team here at the church went to a separate conference. But I sat down at a table um, and I was introduced to this guy. And um, we got to talking a little bit. Uh, random, he's from Florida, I'm from Kentucky. Uh, or he currently lives in Florida, I'm from Kentucky. And we just started talking a little bit. Found out that we had a mutual friend, uh, Matt Smith, and um, I, it just kind of everything just kind of happened from there. Fast forward two and a half years, and he's sitting in the front row, preparing hopefully to become our pastor here at Warehouse Church. And so I am so excited today. Um, this guy has all of my confidence. Um, I have gotten to know him a lot more over the past few months uh, as we as a pastor search team have been preparing and, and kind of going through this process. And so I'm really, really happy today that he's with us. He and his wife, Jennifer, and their son, Jackson, are here with us today. And I'm just please make welcome up to the front, Rick Connor. Good morning, church. Good morning. <laughs> So good to be with you this morning, and uh, I just want to say how excited I am to finally be here. I feel like we've been talking about this for months and, uh, and getting to know each other, and it is just exciting to be with you today. And, uh, and so as we, as we get started, I just wanted to say thank you um, to uh, the Pastor Search Committee. Your Pastor Search team has done an amazing job, and, uh, and I want to just say they have made me feel welcomed. Um, your hospitality has been amazing. They have asked all the right questions. They've asked some really hard questions, and I so appreciate that. And so I just want you to know that, that your pastor search team is doing an amazing job. So you can give them a hand right now and just say thanks for all they're doing. And, uh, and today, I wanted to, before we jump into the word, I want to give you, uh, just to introduce you to my family. And I think the, their picture will be on the screen here. And um, so this is uh, my family right here on Easter uh, this year, and that's Emma. Uh, some of you met Emma a few weeks ago when we were visiting, and so she's in the front. She's the one taking the selfie, so this is like our Easter selfie right here. And then uh, right behind her is my wife, Jen. I don't know where Jen is. She's in here somewhere. Maybe, maybe she's outside. She's back there. There she is. She's back there. And, uh, and so Jen, and then obviously myself, and Jackson. Jackson's back there too. And, and, uh, and then we have two older boys that are, uh, one is serving in the military, and one just got out of the military. And so Clayton and Joe. Uh, there's a picture of them as well. That's their, that's their mug shots, right? So that's what you get when you go in the military. You don't smile. And uh, Clayton's the one on, the, uh, on your left, and then Joey's the one on the right. And, uh, and so they both, uh, well, Joey's getting ready to move to Colorado Springs, and Clayton lives in Colorado Springs. So they're going to be uh, living together as brothers again, and so uh, Colorado Springs will never be the same. And uh, so pray for the city. Don't pray for them. Pray for the city. And uh, so, but, um, but it is so good to be here with you this morning. My wife said today when we were getting in the car, she goes, now, you know, you got to get that little scraper thing out of the car and scrape your windows and do all that stuff. And I'm like, listen, this is not my first rodeo. Like I may be from Florida, but I've, I've been around cold weather before. And so we want to just say thanks for uh, just for welcoming us and being so kind and gracious to us. And uh, so let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to lead our conversation this morning. Father God, it is so good to be with your people today. God, it is so good to be ready to open up your word. And Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the Bible because in it, it has everything that we need, everything that we need for salvation and everything that we need to live this thing called the Christian life. And Father, my prayer this morning is that you would remove the blinders from our eyes. God, you would unplug our ears and you would soften our hearts today so that we could see, hear, and know 
exactly what it is you have for us. Because, Lord, I believe with all of my heart that you have a message. You have a word for each and every one of us. So, God, we position ourselves in such a way to hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, you know, one of the things that I love about Warehouse Church, because, you know, as, as I got to know Clayton, and like he said, we were at a conference, we were sitting at a random table, and, uh, and, and I, I don't remember anyone else from that table, but I remember you. And I remember you because you had this spirit about you, and, and, and obviously we had Matt Smith in common, but you just had this spirit. Now, as soon as I met you, I texted Matt Smith, I said, dude, who is this Clayton guy? And, uh, and so, and Matt Smith had just wonderful things to say about you, but as I got to know Warehouse Church, one of the things that I love, love, love is one of your values. And the value that I love the most is the value that says that we love differently. And I was hooked right from there. I was like, yes, because I believe that uh, I think this is so important for the church today, that we began to imagine or reimagine what it looks like to love the world differently. Like Jesus said it from the very beginning. He said, listen, here's the, the greatest, the new commandment I give you is to love one another as I have loved you. And I think we as a church so desperately need to love differently. And so if we're going to love differently... I think that this is really the, the second half of that that I would challenge you with today is that if we're going to love differently, people must be our pursuit. Amen. That people must be our pursuit. That if, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to open them up with me to Luke chapter 10 or your Bible app, whatever you've got, Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 30 through 37 together. And today, we're going to look at one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. Like, if you ever grew up in the church, you went to Sunday school, you heard this story. Uh, if you've been around church at all, you've heard this story. If you're the first time in church, this may be the first time you've heard this story. But this is one of those stories that many people know. And, and it's, 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 a, it's a story that I think will help us to understand this idea or to, to help us with this idea that people are our pursuit. And so I want to read with you Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. And, uh, and it says this, it says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was asked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Everybody say, other side. other side. Yeah. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. And he gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And which of these three, Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Say that with me. Go and do likewise. You see, church, people are our pursuit. Now, if we're honest, and let's be honest, if we're honest, we, we don't always think that way, do we? 
Like, as a matter of fact, as you were maybe writing that down or as you heard me say that, uh, you may have wanted to rewrite that phrase to say, people are our problem. Like, some of you may have wanted to say that. I mean, anybody here have difficult people in their lives? Anyone? Anyone sitting next to difficult? No, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. But we all have difficult people in our lives. And, and, and so often, we don't think of people as our pursuit, but we think of people as our problem. And then some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, you know what? I didn't want to write pursuit. And, and Rick, I didn't even want to write problem because when I think of people, I think of people are our pain, right? Because they're the ones that can hurt you. And, and let's be real. Some of you didn't even want to end that say, sentence. You were like, people are our pain in the, you know, you wanted to keep going. <laughs> but let me just tell you that they're the ones that hurt us, right? So people are our pain. And, and, and why? Well, because people can be brutal, right? People can be brutal. They're the ones that break up with you, or they're the ones that stab you in the back, or they're the ones that are gossiping about you. And we all experience pain from people. But today, today I want to help us to reimagine how you think about people. And I love that word reimagine. So every year I pick a word that is going to define my year. And so my word for this year is reimagine. And so it's like everywhere. You'll hear me say it a lot because it's just on my mind. Like I want to reimagine church. I want to reimagine the Christian life. I want to reimagine people. And people are not called to be our problems. And people are not called to be our pain. But people are called to be our pursuit. And listen, if Warehouse Church continues to love differently, and if Warehouse Church continues to pursue people who are hurting and broken, I believe with all of my heart that you could be the catalyst of change in Eastern Kentucky. You know, one of the things that, that everyone on the, on the pastor search committee told me at one time or another is, listen, Rick, there's 90% of the people in this area don't go to church. Like only 10% people do. And maybe that's because we need to reimagine people. And maybe we need to claim this idea that people are our pursuit. So our story goes in scripture that there's a man. And he's on a journey, and he's on a journey from Jerusalem, and he's going down to Jericho, and he, he's on the journey, and, and it's a dangerous journey. It's a, it's a treacherous journey, and, and, and on the way, he gets attacked by robbers. And, and now this is a big deal, because I think that this right there, that, that idea that he's attacked by robbers, that's a picture of humanity today. That's a picture of where we are today, that humanity has been robbed that our culture has been robbed, that people have been robbed. And the Bible uh, puts it quite plainly in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says what? It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And so the evil one's out to take people, and he's out to rob them of everything that God wants to give them. And he uses so many tactics to do that. And here's what I want us to understand today, is that I don't want you to let social media convince you that people who are far from God have it all together. 
Like, I think we do that. I think we have this tendency to look at people's highlights on social media, and we know they're far from God, and we say, but look at them. Like, they've got it all together. Here I am. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I'm trying to live my life the right way. I'm struggling. It's hard to do that, but look at all of them. And they seem to have it all together. Everything looks like it's going well. But let me just say that we have no clue how robbed they actually are. Like, we have no clue how robbed they are of healthy relationships. We have no clue how robbed they are of joy. We have no clue how robbed they are of peace. You see, humanity is a lot like that guy on the side of the road. They're beaten up and they're broken. But there's good news for them. And guess what? There's good news for us today who may be sitting here today and feel beaten up and broken and looking for hope. Because John 10.10 doesn't end saying that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. If it did, well, that would be depressing, wouldn't it? But it goes on to say, and Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Everybody say full. Do you know that God wants you to have life and have it to its full? And if you're here today and you're feeling beat up and you're feeling broken, this is such good news that you might be down, but you're not out. You might be feeling broken, but you're not, it's not over. You may have hit rock bottom, but it's not finished. Let me just say, if you're feeling robbed or you're feeling beat up or you're feeling broken today, things can change. Things can change. The relationship is broken, but guess what? It can get better. The kid is far away from hope or from faith, but guess what? He can come back to God. You don't think that you can overcome that addiction, but guess what? With God, all things are possible. And you see, these past four weeks that y'all have been on this journey called This Is My Story, right? And you've seen the impact. You've seen the impact of the gospel as these four, uh, four groups of people shared their story. And they were amazing stories. I watched them. And they're amazing stories. And people's lives were changed. And folks were broken. And they thought it was over. And God came through as he always does. And if God did it for these groups of people that sat up here on the couch, guess what? God can do it for you too, right? Amen? Amen? God can do it for you, and I hope you believe that. And so what's the solution? What solution did God bring to the man who was robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road? What did God do? He brought people, didn't he? He brought people and now, if I was God, I would do something completely different, right? Like, I'd be like, God, people are messed up. Like, I'm messed up. My life's messed up. I don't have it all together. Why in the world would you choose people? Like, if I was God, I'd send some angels down there, right? Like, I'd send, I'd send Michael, the angel, and he'd go down there, and he'd take care of it all. And, and, but he didn't do that. God doesn't send angels throughout history God uses broken, flawed, beaten down 
people to accomplish his perfect and good plan. So if you think you're beyond being used by God, I want you to know that you couldn't be further from the truth. That I want you to know that God can use you. That God wants to use you. Listen, God's people are his solution to humanity's problems. God's people, you and I, we're his solution. We're his plan A. There is no plan B. We're his plan A. You and me, we're the agents of change that God wants to use to bring revival and life change and transformation to Floyd County. You are here for a purpose. You are here to make a difference in people's lives. And so that's why Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He said, we are what? Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. You and I, we are official representatives of God himself on this planet. I love this idea. So when you walk into Food City, guess what? You're representing God in that grocery store. You are. When you walk into your job, whatever that is, guess what? You are representing God in your workplace. Or when, you, when that alcoholic friend comes over after drink, a binge drink, and he comes to your house or she comes to your house looking for help, guess what? You are God's representative. You are. You're his ambassadors. And here's what the verse goes on to say, because it's more important. The second part says, as if God were making his appeal through you. Now think about that for a minute. God makes his appeal through people. Because why? God uses people. So who does he send? Well, in our story, <laughs> our story goes that the man is broken down, he's beat up on the side of the road, and who does he send first? He sends the pastor. Isn't that always the case, right? Oh, I'll just send the pastor. He'll fix it. Just go, go ahead and send the pastor. You're like, God, I'm just, I'm just a, I just go to church. I'm just a member, a partner, or, 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 or I'm, just, I'm just a girl uh, that, 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 that teaches, or I'm just a guy that, that works for the phone company. Like, send the pastor. He'll fix it. And, and so there, here we see this pastor, and he's, he's walking down the road. He's got his Bible in his hand, and he's studying, and he's on his way to Billy Ray's for a men's breakfast, and, uh, and, and he's got to preach the next day, and he's got all this stuff to do, and he's overwhelmed, and, and, and maybe he's wearing skinny jeans. I don't know, and, and he's so busy, right? He's so busy doing that he misses the God opportunity that's right in front of him. He misses the opportunity right in front of him. So God says, okay, well, what's my next solution? And what does he do? He brings a Christian leader. He brings a Levite. And the Levites were the leaders of the day. They worked in the church and, and they would lead in the church. And they were your advisory board or they were your executive team or your ministry team leaders or your small group facilitators. And, and if anyone is going to see this person hurting and struggling, guess who it's going to be? It's going to be these people, right? Like they're serving. They serve faithfully. They're always, always helping. And these are going to be the ones. And Luke says the Levite comes along, but he's too busy. 
too busy to stop. And, and why is he so busy? Well, well, you know why. You know what the Levite's thinking. He's thinking, man, I got I to gotta get, gotta get kids ministry ready. I got to get all the stuff ready. I got to get the copies made. I got to get, get volunteers. I got to get all this stuff. Uh, or, or, or I got to find a facilitator for small group. Or, or I got to get the worship team prepped for Sunday. Or I got to get people plugged in on Planning Center. If you don't know what Planning Center is, talk to James later. But all this stuff. <laughs> like, I got to get all this stuff done. And again, the Levite is so busy doing ministry that they miss God's opportunity. And isn't this how it goes? Like, aren't we so busy doing important, good stuff that we miss the God things that are right in front of us? And then God says, okay. He's like, I got another option. And enter the Samaritan. The Samaritan guy, and if you don't know about Samaritans, Samaritans were not looked favorably upon. Uh, they were, there was a brutal racial war going on between them and the rest of the, the folks, the Israelites and everyone else, and they were just like the dogs uh, of society, and, and, and they hated each other. And so here, God, Jesus chooses to use a Samaritan, and, he's, he, and I imagine that as the Samaritan walks up to this guy on the side of the road that's been left for dead, beaten and, and, and robbed. And, and I'm, imagine that he has this moment of crisis. And not because he doesn't want to help the guy. I think he's there and he wants to help the guy, but he's having this moment of crisis because he's probably saying to himself, well, who am I? Like, I'm just a Samaritan. How am I supposed to help this guy? I, I'm only a Samaritan. But church, listen. God never consults our pedigree to see if we have a purpose. I bet some of you are just like him. And I bet you're sitting in your seat and you're saying, but, but Rick, I'm just a Samaritan. I mean, I'm the son of so-and-so, or I'm the daughter of so-and-so, or I got a divorce a few years ago, or, or I used to be an addict, or, or, or I lost my job, or, or I stepped out on my wife once, and you count every reason why God can't use you. And let me just tell you, if you have air breathing inside of you, and you see a need, that's God's call on your life. That God wants to use you to bring hope to someone else that's in need. If you're breathing, God wants to use you. So stop letting your pedigree, stop letting your past keep you from doing God's purpose in the present. God wants to use you. <laughs> and so I think as we read this scripture today, I think it gives us three, three easy steps that will help us this morning to make people our pursuit. And the number one is this. Look at verse 33 with me again. It says, when he saw him, he took pity on him. Now that word pity, that's a big word. And, and because a lot of us see people struggling all the time. But that doesn't mean that we have pity for them. I remember one time I was driving to Walmart, and, uh, and, and I was driving in the parking lot of Walmart, and there was a guy there uh, sitting at the entrance, and he had a sign. He's like, I need uh, food. I'll work for food, or just I'm hungry. And I, and I felt God's spirit saying, Rick, I want you to go and buy some food for this guy. And so I go into Walmart, and I'm arguing with God all the way through Walmart. 
And I'm like, God, I don't have time for this. Like, like money's tight right now. I don't have a whole lot of extra. And I'm just making these excuses. And finally, uh, I, I, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I bought the man a sub and I bought him a drink. And, and then I, I came out and he was already gone because I wasted all that time in there. And, and I, I wrestled with God about, do I, do I have pity on this guy? And, and here's what I want you to hear today, that, that the number one thing that we can do, the number one step is that we need to understand that people deserve our compassion, no matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter what their skin color is, no matter what, what political slant they have, no matter what, what, uh, what, pe- who pe- what people they follow on Twitter or Facebook, that people deserve our compassion, and, and you want to make an impact in the world, you must be a person of compassion. But compassion is never our go-to. It doesn't come naturally to us. We think, well, uh, in the story, we think, well, that guy should have never been on that road by himself in the first place, right? Or, or we think to ourselves, he couldn't defend himself? Well, shame on him. Like, why wasn't he uh, ready for that? Why wasn't he prepared for that? And we have to be careful. We have to be careful when we start looking at people without the compassion that comes from God. And that day when I drove by that homeless guy, I didn't have that. Like, I didn't have that compassion. I forgot that people deserve our compassion, that he deserved my compassion. Instead, I was like, I came up with excuses. I'm too busy. There's not enough money. I don't, I don't have time. It's not on my schedule. You see, when you don't feel that compassion towards others, I think it's because you're not praying for them. Because here's what I'm discovering in my life. I'm discovering that prayer grows passion. That when we begin to pray for people, we begin to pursue those people. That our prayer life grows or fuels our passion for people. So if you want to be passionate for people, church, guess what? You got to start praying for people. You got to start praying for the 90%. You got to pray for them daily. And the truth is, where there is a lack of passion, there usually is a lack of prayer. It's like when you come to me... Uh, when, when married couples come to me and they're like, oh, you won't believe what, so, what he did to me and you won't believe what she said to me and, and they had a fight the night before and they come to me and they, to the pastor and they want the pastor to fix it, right? And my first question every time is, let me ask you something. When's the last time you prayed for one another? Like when's the last time you prayed for your spouse? When's the last time you prayed that God would, uh, would just be with them that day? When's the last time you prayed for them that they, would, that they would have an amazing day? When's the last time that you prayed for your spouse? I mean, that's why Jesus said in the Bible, he said, if you have a problem with your enemies, what did he say? He said, you pray for them, right? You pray for your enemy. And you know why Jesus said that? He didn't say it because it's going to change your enemy. He said, pray for your enemies because he knew that that would change you. That when you pray for the people that, that you want to be passionate about, when you pray for the people that, that you want to see God work in their lives, that it doesn't change them as much as it changes you. God starts changing your heart and you start having compassion for your enemy. So it starts with compassion. Number two, uh, it says in verse 34, it says, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. He didn't just say, the Samaritan just didn't say, you know what, I got you covered. I'm going to pray for, I'm going to add you to my church's prayer list, right? He didn't just say, oh, I'm sorry, that, that must hurt a little. I'm going to pray for you. 
He didn't just throw an invite card down and say, hey, why don't you come to Warehouse Church? He didn't just say, well, you know what? I'll let the people in my church know about this. No, he didn't do that because people deserve more than our compassion. The second thing they deserve is people deserve our care. Everybody say care. care. People deserve our care. We must do something about it because it's not enough to just sit there and feel sorry for them. We must do something about it. The missionary David Livingston put it this way. He said, sympathy is no substitute for action. In other words, I don't care if you feel bad for them. What are you going to do about it? Right? What are you going to do about it? Your mission here, your value, what you hold to be true is that you want to be a church where more people experiencing or experience transformation, transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. So if we're going to do that, we're not just going to feel it, right? But we're going to do something about it. And the best thing that we can do is do something tangible for people who are far from God. But listen to me. Don't let the frustration of not being able to do everything keep you from doing something. You can do something, church. You can make a difference. You can invite. You can love. You can send encouraging texts. You can bring them food when they are struggling. You can sit with them when they are mourning. I'm telling you, the best example is not going to be some message that you preach. It's not going to be some Bible verse that you quote. It's a life you are living, a life of love that you are living for people. And that day, the Samaritan made a decision. Not only am I going to have pity, not only am I going to have compassion for this guy, but he took action. He says, I'm going to take some bandages and I'm going to bandage his wounds and I'm going to, I'm going to pour oil and wine on them. It was a temporary fix. It was triage. It was something small. But I'm telling you, that's what the world needs today in Kentucky and Florida and everywhere in between. They need a church that says, even though we can't do everything, we're going to do something because we are called to transform lives. So the man, he has pity on this guy, which leads to compassion, and he cares for him, and then he realizes that this is something that he can't do, that this is beyond what he can do. And look at what he says in verse 34. It says, then he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. He picked up the guy, he put him in his truck, and he brought him to the church house, and he walked through the doors, and he said, listen, this is my friend. This is my friend Billy, and we're going to take care of this guy, and we're going to help him out, and we're going to bring him back to life. And then it says in verse 35, the next day, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. You see, this guy, this Samaritan, this dog of, of society, he was committed for the long haul. He provided two weeks to two months. Biblical scholars argue on what two denarii is. It could be two weeks worth of medical care up to two months. How many of y'all could afford like one day of medical care, right? <laughs> Like this dude says, I will give you up to two months worth of medical care to help this guy. So hear me, not only do people deserve our compassion, and not only do people deserve our care, but people deserve 
our long-term commitment. It's not just a hand raised. It's not just a rehearsed prayer. It's not just a box checked off. No, people, people deserve to make sure that we are walking with them for the long haul. It's not enough to just ask someone, hey, if you were to die today, do you know if you would go to heaven? I mean, I wouldn't ask that question to begin with, but it's not enough. Like, lead them to the Lord. It's not enough just to lead them to the Lord and to say, hey, good luck. Figure it out on yourself. You know, like, we, we did our part. You raised your hand. You came to the front. You said yes to Jesus. Now, now good luck. It's not enough. We don't just lead people to the Lord and then we're done. That's not what the church is for. The church is supposed to walk with people, right? We're supposed to walk with people and be with them for every step they take as they discover who Jesus is and what he wants for their life. I mean, you remember the Great Commission? The Great Commission says, therefore, go and get people to say yes to Jesus. Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. It says, therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. And I, and I, think, I think bringing people to the Lord is an important first step. It's an important first step, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal, according to Jesus and according to the Great Commission, the ultimate win is discipleship in all nations, to make disciples of all nations. And then it says, then we're going to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then after that, it says, we're going to teach them to obey everything I have taught you. And here's where it gets really hard. Like, it gets really hard to teach people to obey I mean, I wonder, have you ever tried to teach people to obey everything that God has taught them? I mean, it's hard, and it takes time, and it's messy. It's messy. But people deserve our long-term commitment. If we're going to stay with people for the long haul, we've got we've to be committed to it. And that's why I think groups are so important. Small groups, life groups, whatever you call them, they're so important. And I think that's why getting connected and serving is so important because this is the command of God that we walk with people. And that's what discipleship is. You see, discipleship is simply helping people take their next step. And you say, well, Rick, I can't do everything. And you're right. You can't do everything. But you can help someone take their next step. So let me give you some next steps that you can do. Number one, you can invite people to church, right? You can invite people to church. You can re-invite people to church. And, and maybe you invited them and they came and they haven't been in a while. Well, guess what? You can re-invite them to church. Say, look, I'd love to have you come back to church. And, 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 and you have some friends. You have some friends that you know need to be in groups. They need to be in life groups, small groups. They need to be here. And you're going to invite them. And you're thinking again, you're thinking, Rick, that's really hard. That's tough. And I'm like, you're right. Welcome to my world. It's hard. Ministry is tough. It's not easy. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But I want to share with you what Galatians, what Paul says in Galatians as we wrap up. He tells us this. And this is one of my favorite verses. He says, let us not become what? Weary. Let us not become weary in doing good for what? At the proper time, 
we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Church, don't give up. Don't give up on pursuing people. And so when you came in today on your seat, there's this little uh, pursuit of people challenge card. I just invite you to take it out with me. And uh, on the back of that card, it says, people are our pursuit. And there's an option for you to write three people's names right there. And I want to invite you today. I want to invite you to think about who are the three people in your world? Who are the three people that you can do three things to? That you can commit to pray for them daily? Because remember, our prayers power our passion. So who are three people that you can say, you know what, I'm going to commit to praying for these three people every day. And then you're going to commit to encourage them weekly. These three people, you're going to send them encouraging text messages. You're going to, I love handwritten letters. Like I'm an old school guy in that way. I write five handwritten letters every week and I put them in the mailbox. If y'all don't know what that is, you know, you put a stamp on it, stick it in the mailbox. And I tell people, and I started out every, every one of them the same way. Today, as I count my blessings, I'm thankful for you. And then I tell them why. And I send five of those out every week. So you're going you're gonna to commit to encouraging these three people every week, once a week. And then finally, I want to invite you to invite them regularly. Those people who may not be here. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm committed. I'm committed to pray for them daily. I'm committed to encourage them weekly. And I'm going to invite them regularly to church, to worship, to small groups, to whatever's going on. I'm going to invite them regularly. So I want to invite you right now. Just take 15 seconds. Write their names down. Like, don't, don't just put it in your Bible. Don't just walk it and put it in your pocket and walk away. But write their names down, their first name. Who are you going to pursue? Because here's what my prayer is. My prayer is this that over the next few months, from now until Easter, my prayer is that God is gonna do something amazing in each and every one of these people's lives. And between now and Easter, every single one of these names is gonna show up at Warehouse Church between now and Easter. Imagine that. Imagine what that would be like. Can it, is it possible? Absolutely. Because everything is possible in God's world. So write their names down. Write them down. Say, hey, I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going to encourage them every week. And I'm going to invite them as often as I possibly can. So let's, let's lift these cards up and let's pray over them today. Can we do that? Let's pray. God, we care about, we care about every single name on these cards. But God, guess what? You care about them more. You care about them so much more than we do. So, Father, we're praying, Lord. We're praying for each and every name on these cards. God, we're praying that you're going to do a work in their lives. And, God, you're going to bring them to this place. And they're going to meet you here. And they're going to surrender their lives to you. Because, Lord, people are pursuit. Lord, you've called us to pursue people. You have put that mission in our lives. So, Father, we lift these names up to you. Knowing that you are going to reap a harvest in their lives. Father, there's probably some people in here today. God, there's people in this room that they resonate. They're like, I get the man on the side of the road that was beaten and broken and, 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 and just didn't have to know what to do. 
Because Father, there's some people in this room that are broken and beaten down and feeling like they've been left for dead. And Father, if they're here today, I just want them to know that it's not over. It's not over. You've got a plan for their life, that you love them unconditionally, that there's nothing they can do to earn your love. You love them unconditionally, and you will never love them more than you love them right now. And Father, that you want to give them life. God, that you want to pick them up off the side of the road, and you want to heal their wounds. You want to get them back on their feet, and you want them to experience life to the fullest. So if you're here this morning, and that's you, and you need to experience the grace of God this morning, I just want you to know that you can come, you can come right up here to the front, and you just ask, God, I'm broken down, I'm beat up, and I need a victory, I need a win, I need you to come and rescue me and heal my wounds. said yes to Jesus and maybe today's the day maybe today's the day where you're like you know what I need God to just save me I need God to come and rescue me and it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ and if that's you I'm just going to count to three I just want you to lift your hand and I want to pray with you if you want to put your cards down, if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, Rick, I just need a relationship with Jesus. I don't have that. I want that. I want to be rescued. I want to be saved. I want to know that God loves me. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand up on the count of three. I just want to pray with you. One, two, three. Just lift your hand up. Dear Jesus, we thank you for coming to our rescue. And God, I pray for those today who are broken down and on the side of the road. God, that they would experience right now your healing power that can only come from you. Father, maybe they're struggling with an addiction. God, you can heal that. Father, maybe their marriage is, is struggling. You can heal that. Father, maybe they've got some broken relationships. You can heal that. Maybe they need a job. You can heal that. Father, maybe they're sick. You can heal that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for always, always coming to our rescue.